Hello there, welcome along to the RT Soccer Podcast. Well, hats off to Stephen O'Donnell and everybody involved with St. Pat's FAI Cup winners for the fourth time. Lots to discuss in the company of James O'Toole. Paul Carey is with us. Also, Graham Gartland. Ah, we have a man synonymous with St. Patrick's Athletic, Johnny McDonnell. UCD up, Waterford down. We'll be chatting our teams of the year. And after the disappointment of Thursday, another assignment looms for Bira Pau's Ireland against Georgia on Tuesday in their bid to qualify for the World Cup finals. But let's get it over with. Let's get it over with, James. You predicted Pats for the Cup in our very first podcast of 2021. So I guess you're all smug and pleased with yourself, are you? Well, it's about time I got something right, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about yeah. time. In fairness, like, I don't know, we were there yesterday and it, it just seemed like it was going to be another extra time in Pano's game from about the first five minutes of the game. So um, over the moon, because not only does it mean the Pats get some silverware, which in fairness to them, they probably deserve after the season they had, but it means that they're in Europe as well. So, Adrian, that's that's a, that's a double bonus for me. Way <laughs> and breathe, Johnny. Shootouts. I mean, they're brilliant for teams when they win them. Awful if you lose. Uh, when, I, when, when I when I when I went to the extra time and I go, oh, here we go again. You know, it was there was fellas hit me showing me he wouldn't look, even look at the penos. But uh, <laughs> look, it's uh, you know uh, uh, you feel for balls, you know, when it happens like that, and uh, but. Brilliant day, I have to say. Brilliant day. Great atmosphere. Both sets of fans were brilliant. Uh, great noise around the place. But uh, it all heated up there near the end and the extra time and the penos and stuff like that. So it'll be, it'll be remembered. First maybe 60 minutes, a game of chess, I would say, from a tactical point of view. But look, it's a brilliant occasion. 38,000 fans nearly there in the stadium. Uh, it looks good for the future. Paul Curry, you were there on co-commentary with John Kenny. What, how big an achievement for Pats, and in particular for Stephen O'Donnell, is this? Yeah, it's huge, Adrian, and you know he's he's not long in that job. And I used to compare it to Stephen Bradley going into Shamrock Rovers, and it has that same sort of feel. And I guess when you're putting a squad together, um, what you want to try to do is you want to try breed success in, into that into that team. And he's done that relatively early within his tenure at St. Pats, and I think. To do that um, in such a quick turnaround from where they were, I think, is an amazing achievement. I guess the the part of the squad that I, I really like is that he's got a really good blend between young, hungry, ambitious players, but he's also got a good foundation with the likes of Benson, Birmingham, Paddy Barrett, Lee Desmond and co. So a really good blend of, of youth and experience within the squad and, and to win silverware so soon is an amazing achievement. And what he would be hoping is that he's that kind of I guess adds fuel to the fire and, and it gives them um, that bit of confidence to go on and challenge for more cups and more competitions going forward. But to turn it around and I guess to to put a style of football in play and to get players playing the way he wanted in sh- in such a short period of time and to actually win something on top of that is is an amazing achievement. And you would imagine uh, Stevie O'Donnell's going to be around for a long time competing in in major finals like that over the next you know, 10 years if he is to remain within the league. Graham, what did you make of it? Because as Johnny mentioned, a record crowd for an Aviva final, just over 37,000. It was quite an occasion for the domestic game. Admittedly, you know, all the drama came in extra time and obviously with the penalty shootout, the 90 minutes was was pretty dour, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I, I agreed with Johnny a little bit. They were sort of trying to feel each other out at the start. I I was watching the game on RTE and listening to the lads at half-time, and one of the things that struck me about the game was probably in the final tour, both teams sort of lacked a little bit of, um, I would say, 
decisiveness or concentration with the final pass or the final touch or even at the final set to maybe take a shot on goal and I, I think there was probably an anxiousness in, in them in the final tour in both, um, in both teams. So it, you didn't really have a lot of goal mount action until I think Lennon's strike just before half time sort of sparked the game and then mm. a, a few bits then after probably the last 10 minutes of the half but then obviously it all kicks off an extra time and, it, and you're thinking if the game can, if you can have that for more, more periods in the game it would have made for a better occasion but to be honest, it's a great occasion in terms of 38,000, but for Pats, it's just about winning the Cup, and that's what they've done. OK, let's get some reaction to the success of St Pats. The player of the match was Lee Desmond. To me, that's the one I always wanted to win. I know a lot of people want to win the league, but the big day out with your family and all your friends here. Record crowd today, am I right? Yeah. It's an unbelievable feeling. And then, obviously, we took the lead. And, and what a goal. Yeah, it was a great goal. Brilliant goal by Chris. And... Thought we were going to hang on. They've scored from a corner, and obviously momentum's huge in matches, and they got a bit of momentum, but we hung on. And then, in fairness, like it's just it's penalty shootouts look, and yeah, thankfully it was us today. And when Robbie Benson tucked away the the decisive penalty to clinch it, what range of emotions went through you? Just it's just ecstasy, really. Like you picture the moment so much, and. I always pictured it was going to be in the opposite end, but then when Bowes won the toss that they were going to be the home team today, I said, right, we're going to be running down to the opposite end when you win it. So, uh, no, I was just absolutely delighted over the moon. Some moments, some seasons, second in the league and cup winners, first time since 2014. It's been a very special day for you all. Yeah, um, that's a good point, actually, because I think a lot of people are doubting us in the semi-final against Dundalk. And then, again, today, Bowes are favourites. And we're like, we finished second in the league. We've beaten them twice this year, but... That's the way it is. Even only one player in team of the year. I thought we could have had maybe one or two more, maybe Matty Smith or Dara Burns, but that that's voted by the players. You can't really complain about that. But um I don't know if the squad got enough credit and, and the manager got enough credit for what we've done this year. Hopefully we do now. Mm. Lee Desmond, Graham. Did Pats or have Pats got enough credit for what they achieved over the course of the season? That they will now obviously after winning the cup, but what do you make of the point he makes about Pats maybe not getting the plaudits they deserve for finishing second and the quality of their football over the season? Yeah, I, I, I probably agree with him to a certain extent. I don't think they've gotten enough credit for what they've done considering where they came from last year um, to, to secure second spot going into a cup and then going and win a cup final. It's a tremendous achievement from the club. Uh, Stevie's fourth season in charge as well. So they've, they've seen off the likes of... Bohemians, Derry and Sligo as well to reach that. So they, they, I'd agree with them, but it's motivation for the players. Everything is motivation that for not getting the credit they deserve, we'll go and take it ourselves. And that's what they've done. So um, from their point of view, it just adds fuel to them. And um, But I'd agree with them. I think, I think they need to be given more credit. It's tough, to win, it's tough to win things in this league. There's only probably, you only have a chance to win three trophies. The FEI Cup is considered the big one. And for Pats to win it, it's a tremendous achievement for the club and the players. Absolutely. Well, let's get more reaction. He's just 18 years of age. He's a cup winner and his name is Dara Burns. I suppose you say at the semi-final after the game, you're just kind of hoping and dreaming. Every single night coming up to the 28th of November, just go on and win the cup. And just the way we've done it, went to penalties, probably the most dramatic way to win the cup, to be honest with you. But uh, it's just it's what we dreamed of last night, to be honest with you. It's just I'm absolutely over the moon to get the win today. Did you manage to sleep last night with all the excitement? Yeah, I'm actually really laid back. <laughs> we woke up at half eight for our breakfast today and I fell back asleep for another two and a half hours or something. So 
I'm actually a real can type of person. It's just I don't know if I'm young. It just I just take it in my stride. But now with the experience that I had there, they kind of played it down as much as they could. Obviously, it's a big game, but for me personally, I didn't feel any nerves going into the game at all. And you are young, just 18 years of age for the benefit of listeners. So, what was that occasion like playing in a cup final in yeah. front of a record crowd as well? Was it a record crowd? Was it? Yeah. Um, now it. I would have dreams and of playing in front of the big stadiums and in the Aviva. I was only here a couple of weeks ago watching Northern Portugal, hoping, geez, I'd love to play there myself. So now we just had to take with both hands and just, just enjoy it, I think. I think some people can go into the games and overthink it. And what was it like <laughs> to, to be there part of the occasion? I presume all your family were here. Yeah, I had a, there was a double deck of coach going from the area, 76 people, and uh, everyone else, I, I say I knew about maybe 200 people there behind the, in that stand behind the goal when we won it but now it's what it's all about isn't it me mum, me dad they're the ones that brought me to train at the start so it's just great to have them there and I'm just over the moon to be honest and Johnny that's what it's about isn't it you hear there you hear Dara talking about my whole family are coming on a double decker bus <laughs> he, he's been brilliant in fairness to him because like, I, I, I interviewed Chris Forrester during the week and every time he said something he went there's a bit of spark in Dara Burn. He's oh. going to do this. He'll do this. Once I get it to him, I know he'll do something. But it's great that we, we the lads mentioned it yesterday about how many young kids we have coming through the league. But it's great that there's one here at Pats as well. Yeah, look, I've, I've watched him a fair bit this season and, and I agree there is a bit of spark every time he gets it. You know, is he going to go inside? Is he going to go outside? And, you know, he, he's still learning as well. Like, you know, he's still a young lad and, you know, to, to give him his credit yesterday, Bows doubled up on him yesterday in a cup final, mm. a young kid like that, you know. But he also does his, his defending side of the game as well. So, you know, he, 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 he as I said, he's still learning. He, he has a, a package there where, and he can go on there. But I think the game where he got him yesterday, the occasion and stuff, Bowes doubling up on him, the way Pat's played, I think the space was, wasn't there from all the time. But look, the James Bank were there as well. Brilliant set, come in on the centre half. So some great young players of Pat's. Paul was talking about, you know, and, and Graham was talking about, Pat's building for the future and finishing second in the league they're in a really good position you know building but finishing second in the league and winning the cup yeah but that's as Paul you as a midfielder as well in that kind of hole where the likes of Forrester would play it'd be great if you had someone like him outside you would have yeah absolutely and you know I thought first and foremost I thought Pat settled into the game a hell of a lot better than than Bowes did and they handled the occasion a, a bit better and they seemed to get into their patterns much sooner in the game than Bowes did and if if you're if you're a centre midfielder and you have somebody like that out wide, you just want to feed him the ball and just let him get at wide men all day because the nature of his ability, like Johnny mentioned there, he can go inside, he can go outside, and he's so direct. You know, with, with the modern game now, you see so much of the game is all about possession based and trying to keep the ball. Maybe not that bit of penetration that you would like to see from your wide men, but in Dara Burns, you've got somebody who's incredibly direct. And incredibly confident, you know, to be at such a young age and to handle an occasion like that. And, you know, we saw it in the semi final against Dundalk, and you saw glimpses of it yesterday. It didn't happen all the time for him, but there was glimpses of it where he just knocked it past Tyreek Wilson. And off either foot, he's got good delivery into the final third. And that's something that you'd like to see that remain in his game. Sometimes that can be actually coached out of people, but to see him and, and just to see him in full flow and great dribbler of the ball, so direct, and um, there's more to come to him. And you just probably that. Bit of final third, you know, Graham mentioned it there just with regards to kind of the, the final touch, the final the final execution of a strike, add more goals to his game, more assists, there's plenty more to come from him. 
Well, Stevie O'Donnell has won three FAI Cups as a player, two at Dundalk, one at Bohemians, and now he has won an FAI Cup as a coach. Afterwards, I caught up with him at the Aviva. I'm just delighted to be on the right side of it. It's fine margins. Obviously, you'd, you'd have sympathy for Bowes in regards. I've, I've won and lost on penos as a player, so I know the feeling both then. So, um, delighted to be on the right side of it, and we're going to enjoy tonight. And in terms of the match itself, because for long stretches, Pats were dominant. How, how do you view and how do you reflect on, on the 90 minutes and the extra time? Yeah, I thought we had better control of the game probably, but Bohemians are a type of team in an instant. They're such good attacking players and such dynamic players that could go and score, which we saw transitions and turnovers. They were very threatening, but I thought we had better probably control of the game uh, on the whole. But like that, you know, it, it took a great save from feet in, at, in the last minute of extra time probably to make it go to penalties. And Chris Forrester's goal had you in the driving seat just before the end of uh, the first period of extra time and obviously Bowles struck back. Did you get perhaps that sinking feeling, oh gosh, here we go, when, when Bowles levelled? Not really. Um, it was pity Chris as well. It deserved to be a winner, you know, as one of the great goals at FAI Cup final football, you know. Not many players that have ever played in the league are capable of doing that, those type of things. And brilliant for Chris. So he didn't deserve then to miss the penno and maybe be on the on the losing side. So I knew going at half time of extra time, I didn't think we, we had the game won by any stretch of the imagination. I knew there would be sort of a couple of worrying moments. Obviously it was a setback conceding right after half time, but um we played out the rest of the half and then penalties we had practiced them over the last week or ten days because over recent times, phenomenal amount of FAI Cup finals that have gone extra time and penalties. Just in terms of you yourself, because you won three Cup medals as a player, this now as, as a coach, how sweet is that feeling? I, I imagine it differs somewhat, does it? Yeah, great. I suppose when you're playing and you've won a couple of things, you might not have loads to prove in regards to winning another one, two or three, um, whereas obviously you go the other side, the fence, a lot of your, your, your young coach, people have doubts. Um, so it's great to sort of not prove yourself because you still have a long, long way to go to do anything like that. But it's great to win, to win a medal, uh, to win a trophy as a coach, you know, So and so early in my career. I'm delighted with that. Graham, were you surprised by the way that Pat set up yesterday because people were talking about the, you know, the false number nine and we all, ex- well, a lot of people expected that Matty Smith would play through the middle, but instead it was Forrester and Benson who were kind of occupying that central role. Were you, were you a bit taken aback by the, by the approach that Stevie O'Donnell took? Yeah, I was. I, I felt that obviously Matthew Smith playing through the middle and maybe Billy King off one of the sides and Bournes would have probably been their, their best attacking threat. I think that's what played in the semi-final against Dundalk. I agree, you gave them control in the game without giving them a real threat. I think when, when Benson comes towards the ball and, and Forrester comes towards the ball, the likes of Matthew Smith and Dara Bournes need to make runs on the inside channels in between the centre-backs and the full-backs and then that'll give you length in the game. Um, I think Pat's they obviously had control, which they which which spoke about, and then balls were looking to hit on the counter-attack, but they controlled the ball without really having, having much sort of a goal threat in the first 60 minutes. I think when Forrester then dropped in as they'd probably sit in midfield, then it gave them a little bit more impetus in the forward line, but obviously Cochran comes on and he's the, he becomes the main striker, but Billy King got more involved in the game. McClellan came on and made an impact as well. So... Um, I think, I think that's what Stevie wants in the game. He wants control, but I do think then they probably lacked a little bit of a goal threat down the middle of the pitch, especially when <coughs> the wide players were staying maybe a little bit too wide when the, when the centre-forward dropped into midfield. 
Paul, just in terms of St. Pat's terrific achievement, second in the league, FAI Cup winners. But of course, the new year will, will come along in due course and people will be looking at St. Pat's. So to, to back this up now next year, what do St. Pat's need to do to just move it to the next level, to really challenge Shamrock Rovers in terms of the league? Because obviously people have been talking about Shamrock Rovers and their dominance this season. People expect Derry City. You'd expect Dundalk perhaps to be somewhat more resurgent. They may not have the, the cash to splash as in recent seasons, but for, for Pats to really challenge and make it a sustained challenge, where are the areas that you feel that perhaps they need to look at? Yeah, we're, we're heading into that funny period of, of time, Adrian. It's almost like the League of Ireland draft begins, similar <laughs> to the American football, where there's so many players out of contract. I guess, first and foremost, they need to consolidate. Um, you heard a couple of players mention, yes, yeah, that there, there are a number of individuals in that squad who are actually out of contract. Uh, and that also goes for Stevie O'Donnell. So I think locking Stevie O'Donnell down for two or three seasons um, is vitally important. And I wouldn't be at all surprised, and the rumours have already begun, that Dundalk are going to come sniffing and, and potentially try to take him up to Oriel Park. So locking down the players that, <clears throat> that have been pivotal to that success this year is, is going to be vitally important. And I think more of the same, you know, trying to blood some more of those youngsters that have come through their academy which seems to be extremely successful they've won a, a number of titles similar to Shamrock Rovers bringing those players through and giving them opportunities and trying to progress what they already have and then adding two or three um, you know I don't think you need to add a huge amount to that squad Yaros is obviously is, is more than likely not going to be there next year so a goalkeeper and potentially a striker if they could they could find one to give them maybe a bit more of a threat in the final third they're the two positions that I would look at <coughs> Um, where they could potentially add just a bit more strength and depth and then continue to blood those those younger players that have come through the academy and, and try to replicate what the likes of Dara Burns have done. But it's still a, it's, it's still a huge gap. You know, we can't, we can't uh, hide away from the fact that they were still 16 points behind mm. Shamrock Rovers and, and Rovers are by far and away uh, setting the standards for, for the rest of the league. So there is a huge gap. To, to I guess close but uh, they've certainly got closer this year and if they could even narrow that down again next year and then go again the year after that would be certainly progress but nailing down those key players that they have at the moment has to be the priority over the next couple of days Johnny we always talk about the spine of a team and that's what he has to get started because as we said Yaros has gone back um, will he come back on loan again next year so that's a goalkeeper definitely needed centre midfielder probably needed what do you think yeah, look, you know, Paul has covered a fair bit there in regards of, you know, who to be replaced. I also think they need a right-sided defender. Sam Bones out there playing on the right side. He's yeah. more central. Yeah, I, you know, with the Paddy Barrett's not going to be there for a long time. I thought he'd done really, really well yesterday. Paddy, uh, Lee Desmond to be there. Uh, definitely, if you could keep Yaros, you know, Birmingham's not going to be there for a long time. So they do need, definitely do need to replace players. Alfie Lewis is a really good midfielder, young midfielder. Jamie Lennon, good midfielder. So they've a spine of a hold of midfield in there. The two of them, you know, work really, really well together. You've got Burns, you've got Smith. So, yeah, they need to add a few. Paul picked, just to pick up on something that Paul said, you know, they finished 16 points behind Shamrock Rovers. That's a fair point. But Shamrock Rovers, over the last five or six years, were 15 and 20 and 22 points behind Dundalk when Dundalk. So this will take a little bit of time. It's going to be the loan market again, is it? Is that where he has to go to? Because if you look at who he has on loan, he's, he's two or three players played yesterday yeah. were loan players. So he's going to have to go back to that market again. Well, if it works, you know, and, and, and you know, if, 
if you four or five players on loan, if you can keep reducing that down to then they become your players or you get players of similar levels. You know, you're always trying to improve your team where you're starting off with you know, good players, very good players, excellent players, international players. So that takes a bit of time. So to narrow that down and say, yeah, now they're all, Paul mentioned about tying them down, putting them on two and three year contracts. If they can't, we don't know the financial uh, state of, of any club, but yeah, to get them to be your players and build into what you're trying to do. Stevie O'Donnell going to Dundalk, I, I would, I would, wouldn't wouldn't see that happening whatsoever, I have to say. OK, well, in any cup final, it takes two to tango. Bohemians, of course, for them, it was the, the despair and the desolation of losing in a penalty shootout. Let's hear from their assistant manager, Trevor Crawley. I'd have felt Pat started really well. I thought we came into it then. The, the, the momentum came our way in the second part of the first half. I think we, we got we got better, we got into it, and I think we, we finished the half quite strong. And then the second half felt like it was a little bit it could have went either way however we had the best chance it felt like and from what I can recollect and maybe I'm biasedly um, numbing out the, the chances Pat's had but besides the goal I think Coughlin went in there was one where James makes a save I don't remember another one that, other than that there, there might have been one um, but I thought we had quite a few chances with Rossi's header when Stephen goes down the line we, we scored obviously um, and, and then we we'd a few bits and pieces bouncing around the box and we were questioning was it over the line or not but it obviously wasn't we didn't get it. So yeah, I think we had we had the best chances. And it always hurts to lose a cup final, but it also means, of course, as well, significantly that you lose out in Europe. Yeah, we lose out in Europe this year. Yeah, after having such a, an, an amazing journey, the boys were the boys were sensational this year. So that's disappointing. Yeah, but it, it's it's motivation to rego again, isn't it? You've got to. It's difficult at the moment, but we'll obviously have to. All the disappointments you have, they they have to spur you on and drive you on and motivate you to work hard and to to get after getting better. Paul, it goes with that saying, it was a very disappointing day for Bowes. When they look back on the final, they'll obviously have regrets, uh, you know, that they lost, but, but they struggled really to impose themselves on the game, you know, right throughout, even, even albeit in extra time, they came more into it in the latter part of the second half, but they were very tentative early on. They were indeed, Adrian, and the, the Pats formation probably nullified a lot of the the Bowes threat, you know, a lot of what they do tends to go through the likes of Keith Buckley and Dawson Devoy. And the fact that Pats play with no number nine meant that Forrester and Benson were sitting essentially on the toes of, of those two Bowes sentiment fielders and they struggled to play through and they let Kieran Kelly and, and uh, Cornwall have the ball and I thought their distribution, to be brutally honest, I thought it was it was very poor. Um, they, they rarely got good balls into, into Georgie Kelly or, or into Burst and Coos. And they really struggled to get going. And it was only as the game kind of progressed and you got into extra time and the spaces started to appear that they really started to get going. So from from their point of view, they'll probably reflect on it and say that it wasn't one of their better performances throughout the year. But they, they still had, had chances. Um, you know, once they, they equalised in extra time, they probably looked the more likely of the two to actually nick it. And that save that uh, Trevor Crawley speaks of there from, from Yaros and Tierney was, was an unbelievable save, really really quick reactions and then there was obviously the one from Hickman that he cleared off the line so mm. on another day they could have nicked it but I think when they reflect on it and they actually sit down and watch the game again, <clears throat> I personally thought that the Pats were the better team on the day, I thought they handled the occasion much better and from a Bowes point of view they just never really got those key players um, further up the pitch involved in the game players being further up the pitch involved in the game does that come down to the messaging and the fact that Keith Long who was given over the messaging yesterday on the, on the side I, of the I, I just thought it was you know it's very unfair from the coach's point of view manager's point of view that he, he wasn't allowed you know 
be be down on the touchline that the suspension I really yeah okay whatever happened between him and and and, and, and with the Rovers match you know he got suspended but they were on the back foot straight away I looked down watching the game I'm looking down at the bench and Trevor's there you had a kit man up you had a goalkeeping coach up you had four and five fellas up giving instructions out and when the manager's there that doesn't happen there was a little bit of I wouldn't say mayhem going on but you need a manager there you need him to say this is what we need to do would he have changed the formation if he was down on the pitch I don't know you know you talk about Buckley and stuff going through him in midfield I, th- I think for 20 minutes in the second half he didn't touch the ball I was watching specific players he was pointing in directions trying to fill in gaps because Pats were overloading them in midfield so I just think from with Keith Long not being on the touchline it was definitely a disadvantage to, to, uh, to, to Bohemians yesterday and Graham, from a player's on the pitch during a, a match like that, the atmosphere is all around you. <clears throat> Does it help a player if it's only one voice shouting at you and you can concentrate on that? Yeah, probably. I would say that sometimes you don't hear much, you know, in the in sort of the level of noise that was yesterday, you wouldn't have heard much. But I agree with what Paul's saying. Like the mid, when, if you nullify a midfield, is getting on the ball. Like the small little things you can do, and, and Paul would know this better than me as a midfielder. Push up, push one of your fullbacks high, and drop one of your midfielders in, into a fullback position, and then that might open it up for the centre back to step in and, and play passes where he can punch them through the feet into wide men or into a striker. But I just didn't think they had enough um, ideas or sort of impetus to try and break down paths or figure them out. Um, at certain times and maybe that comes from a lack of instruction from the sideline um, when you're, you again it just, I think it just throws teams out of a rhythm we're, we're creatures of habit footballers we like everything to be done the same way and when you look to the sideline and you see the, the, the person that's not there that has been there for the last five seasons which it, it can it can just throw you off kilter a little bit and I think like I don't want to use that as an excuse but I think it can it can have an effect on players all the same all right, well, listen, congratulations to St. Patrick's Athletic, their fourth time to win the FAI Cup. It's a terrific achievement, 59, 1961, 2014, and now 2021. Well, UCD secured a place in the Premier Division as they beat Water 2-1 in the playoff decider at Richmond Park on Friday. They had to come from behind uh, with the goals from a couple of uh, players who were nurtured at Waterford's Academy, Dara Keane and Colin Whelan. A uh, real shambolic build-up for Waterford with Mark Bircham given the heave just a few days before the big playoff. We'll come on to Waterford shortly. But UCD back in the Premier Division. Andy Myler has done a terrific job as UCD continue to produce quality players. It was a very hard week, of course, for Andy, who sadly lost his father last week. So we extend our sympathies. After the game on Friday night, he spoke to our reporter, Pat Costello. Uh, delighted for the players. Delighted for the families, great enjoyment here now, that's what it's all about. Um, and can't wait to see them playing in the Premier Division next year, that's, that's mostly all. Fantastic performance, really dug it, dug it in at the end, but I think deserved that overall in the night. I could say you were stunned by the goal early on, but I don't think you were stunned. No, we spoke about it before the game, that you know there may, there may be a chance you go behind in these games, there, there can be a bit of chaos in them. But you know, listen, I think actually their goal settled us down, if anything. Um, and then we played a little bit and we got our two goals, we got in front. 
and I knew which we, once we were in front and the team has to chase the game against us we get more chances so that's the way it panned out we didn't get a third on the night but uh, listen we'll take it and we'll, you know, we'll move on You must be very happy with the performance of the team as a whole but the likes of Carrigan and Whelan and Keane they were the ones who were driving you on all the time Yeah listen they're, they're the guys up the, the top of the pitch and, and they'll always get more uh, comment or headlines or whatever else than other lads but the other lads are absolutely fantastic Lorcan didn't have a save to make tonight um, they had one shot in the first half that was it he didn't save and that's, that's down to the boys in front of them the other 11 players or the other 10 players so I can't tell you how proud I am of them uh, to turn out a performance like that on an occasion like this Were you distracted or were the players distracted by what was going on in Waterford during the week? No, we had our own distraction path from our, our, our point of view. It's my, my dad passed away this yeah, week. Um, yeah. And so that led a bit of chaos in our group, I suppose, in terms of well, our, my staff uh, and the staff of the club stood up and uh, that performance there tonight was produced completely by them and the players. So, um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. We, we, we didn't really, we tried to shut out the Waterford stuff. Nobody knew really what was going on. We just concentrated on ourselves and, and that got us there. You're looking forward now to the Premier Division next year? Can't wait for it. Uh, as I said, can't wait to see those players playing the football in the Premier next year. They deserve it. They've been absolutely fantastic. There's some really good players in the group and some really good players around the group that haven't played a, a lot of t- uh, haven't played a lot yet, but will play a lot next year. And some of the players who have been speculated upon, they have already signed for next year? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Most lads uh, signed up till the ne- end of next year. Listen, everybody will want them, and rightly so. And we understand that this club, that there's a cycle to it and they will eventually move on. But we'll wish them the very best when they do move on and they'll be a hell of an asset for other clubs when that happens. But at the moment, they're an asset for our club. It's been a difficult week for you, Andy, you know. Uh, can you take some solace tonight? Absolutely. Um, just um, obviously emotional when my dad passed in this week. But um, he was, you know, I, I know he's with us tonight. All my family are here. It was nice to share the moment with them afterwards. And it's a pickup that we probably needed after the week that was in the past. Yeah, yeah, it's very hard, very hard. Well done to Andy Myler and everybody involved with UCD. And Paul, I guess, has that, I, I guess you could say, once a student, always a student. Your old team in the <laughs> Premier Division. <laughs> um, terrific achievement. Yeah, an amazing achievement. <clears throat> I guess I'm, I'm probably not overly surprised by, by what goes on uh, at UCD. Andy Myler mentioned in his interview there, it's... It does come in cycles and, and what you get is uh, a batch of young players coming in. They, they tend to get a good bit of experience. It, it clicks and then they, they do some, some really good things together and they tend to pick up a lot of results. And, uh, you know, to have them back in the Premier Division, I think, is a good thing. You know, I know they always, people always point to, to UCD and I talk about the attendances they get, but you could easily point to one or two teams in the Premier Division and look at the attendances that they bring and it doesn't have massive impacts on the Premier Division either. I guess what UCD bring to the league is they, they bring a, a batch of young players that will develop they'll test themselves and it'll be, it'll be good to see them play at a higher level and, and see what sort of levels they can bring and then naturally enough Adrian the better ones will move on um, you know Shamrock Rovers have, have picked up a, a couple of players over the last number of years Stephen Kenny and his Dundalk team would have had a core group of, of UCD players as well so um, you know it's, it's just the next phase will they last in the Premier Division you know, it's it's hard to tell, but there's certainly players there that are coming through. The the two that really stand out are, are Liam Kerrigan and Colin Whelan. Um, you know, they'll certainly be there for the, the next next six months at least, and then from there, um, will will have a big impact on on the Premier Division, albeit whoever they play with. But an amazing achievement, you know. It's the budgets they work off are, are pittance. Uh, there's not a hell of a lot of experience across that squad, and and to go and beat Waterford. 
and to beat uh, you know the teams that they beat along the way is a massive achievement Okay, well, let's get the perspective from Waterford. They brought a very big crowd to Richmond Park on Friday, but that crowd went back south, bitterly disappointed amongst the crowd watching on. Mark Bircham, who was sacked on Tuesday of last week. Waterford goalkeeper Brian Murphy spoke to Pat after the game. The better team probably won on the night, and that's hard to take, but um, got what we probably deserved tonight overall. So, How difficult of a week was it for the players? Ah, look, it was very difficult, you know, I've never seen it before to happen like the way it happened and I suppose there's a lot of anger on the player side uh, the biggest week of I suppose there a lot of young lads in there their biggest week of their career they needed the, the right guidance and stuff like and you appreciate all the work that you know Ian came over and did his best for the two days with us and you know look it's all about game of football and you know still very raw but we just we just weren't good enough tonight Yeah I mean things were, weren't great from the start of the season you had your own difficulties as well <laughs> Yeah look I thought them days were behind us you know and I suppose the start of the season, maybe the recruitment and, and the way the club was managed um, over the off season, probably, you know, it sounded like a good idea to, to bring what they brought in, and like it was just, it was probably just a shambles to be honest. And um, I was made the scapegoat for a lot of it, and you know, you have to stand up for what you believe in. And you know, I thought like the run we were on since May after the COVID as well, we had COVID in the camp yeah, and we yeah. two games, you know, and. You know, we just we just ran out of games and a bit of probably our confidence dropped a little bit over the last few weeks because we were in win- winning positions and we didn't take the take the results. You know, and uh, it's just very it's just very raw at the moment. You know. Yeah, when I talked to you down in in uh, the RSC in August, I mean, there's such positivity at that stage. Uh, the, the the then manager was getting a two-year uh, extension. The owner was there and he has been regaled. It's, it's it's still quite a little bit baffling and it's still a little bit unknown on how they. Um, how it came to this, to be honest, like uh, this, you know, everyone can kind of point the finger and, and, and blame one party or the other. But look, it comes down to football. In the, the day, we're played, paid to play football, and you know, we just fell short, and we fell very short tonight. Yeah, you're a, a proud Waterford man, a proud Waterford club man as well. This is, you know, that's something that you would look forward to ever. No, like I, I came home. I suppose I'm, I'm at the age now where I'm at the latter part of my career, and you know, if I. You know, I stayed at Warford this year with maybe better offers to, to go elsewhere and I just thought it was the right thing to do with my hometown club and with the season before as well with COVID it was you know, it was a half a season I felt, you know, to walk away now would be the wrong thing to do and you know, you you go in with the best intentions and sometimes um them intentions like just don't work out, you know, and it's a shame because look, we've there's, there's a lot of local lads in there as well and we have to walk down the street and you know, it'll take a bit of time to get over this to be honest and now, we should never, as a club, be, be in that position, but it's too much off-the-field stuff, really, to over the course of the season to, you know, to sweep it under the carpet. You know, you can't can't get away with stuff like that all year and pretend that we're going to walk on a football pitch and, and dominate a team that's full of confidence, you know. Yeah, and you personally, Brian, knowing you as I do for a long time, you know, uh, what what will you do now? Ah, look, I want to play on. I've, I've always said that, like, I mean... I was enjoying my football up to the, you know, the la- the second part of the season, especially like you know, I come in, try to work hard every day, set an example, and I'm not getting any younger. But I feel, you know, I feel I'm kind of still playing okay, and I'm still, you know, contributing hopefully to the team. And uh, you know, hey, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take a bit of time over the next couple of weeks and, and and see what I'll do next. There'll be a few clubs in the Premier Division, I imagine, sniffing around. Brian Murphy, there, very open, very candid there. Uh, uh, Graham with um, Pat Costello after the game but 
Waterford's preparations for that game with Mark Burcham departing. Obviously, there was a falling out with the club's owner, Richard Forrest. Ian Hendon came in, took the team for a couple of sessions. But it was a terrible way to prepare for a game, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they hung the players out to dry a little bit as well, haven't they? Because like, they're going into the most important game of the season from that point of view. Albeit the players have put them in that position as well. But I uh, just when you look in at it and... It's just a shambles and, and it just makes a mockery of things at times where we're all here as people who have played in the league and we're proud to have played in the league and we want to see the league develop and get better and then stuff like this just leaves you shaking your head and, and realising that some, some people who are running clubs sometimes just don't have the best interest of the club sometimes at heart and I know that sounds pretty strong but if they did, you know, you can, you can wait to have a fight about this um, this week or the following week, but don't do it on the week leading up to the to a game where they determines whether you stay in the Premier Division or not. Yeah, and Johnny, you'd feel for the fans and all of this, wouldn't you? Well, look, the, the, the big crowd that they brought up, you know, and, and we all know that the Waterford itself, the pitch, the training area, it's set up for as a Premier Division team. I think they they dropped the ball, and excuse the pun, but they had to just you know stay in the Premier League this year. As Brian said, an absolute disaster, a shambles at the end of it. Uh, they could have stayed in the Premier Division this year, regrouped and got going again. And it wouldn't have, wouldn't have taken too much if you know to get a couple of players in, and you know just just to stay in the Premier Division over the next year or two and, and, and try and rebuild it. But getting back to Brian Murphy, like he was left out of the team at the start. You, you heard what he said about his, his principles. He's a great guy, Brian. And then you know he's left here talking to you know picking up the pieces for Waterford as well left out the team to start the season he's now trying to defend you know the club and himself and the rest of the players tough season for him uh, I'll just say to James off air there like he's a guy that if, if Yaros has gone Pats would he'd be a type mm-hmm. of goalkeeper that Pats could sign and the reason why I say this because you can compare that with Shamrock Rovers or Alan Manis similar you know experienced keeper 100% professional and he'd be a guy that we were talking about earlier on with Paul was saying about getting players he'd be one guy I'd be definitely going to look for and and, and you know and just to bounce back over to Andy Moyler I have to say this I know Andy well personally you know God bless the family and losing the father and stuff like that but Andy's a class guy he's a touch of class he's a great player great finisher uh, he's a great coach and he's taken his time he's come through and he's a controlled coach and that 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 would have went on to the pitch the other night with UCD, not just for for the game, but for the season. And uh, Andy is going to be a coach for the future in this league. OK, well said. Well said, Johnny McDonald. Now comes the time where the lads have to pick their team of the year. And uh, we'll, we'll run through the PFAI team of the year and we'll see you know, see what, what the lads make of it. And we'll all, we'll all give our teams of the year, I'm sure. In fairness to the PFAI team of the year as well, it's worth pointing out that it was selected several weeks ago, so they didn't have the advantage of waiting for the cup final, etc., etc. Et but the PFAI team of the year was, and I'll just give it to you as it was published, James Talbot, the goalkeeper James Brown, uh, Roberto Lopez, Ronan Boyce and Liam Scales, Chris Forrester, Dawson Devoy, Will Patching, Rory Gaffney, Liam Burt and Georgie Kelly. Uh, I'm going to get mine out of the way, first of all, lads, if that's OK, because uh, I don't want to be swayed by, you know, the football coaches amongst you. <laughs> so here's my team of the year. And I was always going to have Vitaslav Yaros as my number one, regardless of what happened in the, in the shootout and everything that went on yesterday. He was my number one. Uh, I'll go along with James Brown. I'm happy with that one. I'll write back. Uh, and I'm just going to shake it up just to be just to play devil's advocate. I'm going for Lee Desmond and John Mahan of Sligo Rovers. 
And my most left field of one of all is Conor Kane of Drogheda United as my sort of left wing back. I have Gary O'Neill in front of that back four. Um, then Dylan Watts, Chris Forrester and Will Patching. And then I have Danny Mandrew, or Mandroyu, playing in behind Georgie Kelly. What do you make of that, Johnny? Ooh, I, I, I have a few of them names in there myself. That's pretty uh, attacking, isn't it? Yeah, but look, yeah. you know... Uh, Flair. You know, I, I, I definitely, you know, Talbot, Manus, Yaris. You know, I, I'm going with Yaris and goal. Yeah, you go with your team now. Yeah, yeah let's hear it. I, I was looking at, you know, talking with James Brown. Andy Lyons, is, for me, was being brilliant with bows. Lee Desmond, Lee Grace, the two Lees. Liam Scales in a, in a back four. Okay. Uh, I'd agree with... Uh, Alfie Lewis as a holder midfielder and a little bit of flair with Forrester and Devoy in midfield, that three in midfield. And then Georgie Kelly up top and then the the pace and the magic of, of Burns on either side, left or right, and Duffy from Dundalk as well. That would be my 11th. Well, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Mr. Gartland. Uh, oh, Shamrock Rovers, I reckon. Well, <laughs> have you realised how far and like... They've won it by 16 points here. And you, you, like, they've conceded 28 goals and you haven't put anyone out of Just back give four. Just <laughs> So, Adrian, you haven't put anyone out of back four into, the, into, the, into this team. They've conceded the least amount of goals like in the league. It's like a party political broadcast. Oh Just my get, God. Get on with like, it, so. Get on James, with it. James, if you start picking all it, there's a relegation fodder up until <laughs> July. <laughs> Manus, goalkeeper. Oh. Lopez, one of his centre backs, hundred percent. I can't believe he's in. The, he's even in, oh, nominated for the Player of the Year. None of you have him in. Um, I like the boy Toll off Derry. I think he's a good centre back. I really like him. Liam Scales yeah. is the left back, but he only played half a year, so you could argue for Kane as well. I think it'd be, be between Brown and Ronan Finn. I know Finner plays on the right side as well. Uh, midfield, Forrest is up for Player of the Year as well, so you'd put him in. But Danny Mandroyo has to be in at 15 goals he scored. He's the second highest goal scorer in the league. Dylan Watts has had 14 assists. How Will Patchen gets in ahead, I don't know. That's just James. <laughs> uh, ah, hang on in a second. <laughs> um, I, I, I'd agree. I, I know when he's put Gary O'Neill in, he, he'd be in with a shout as well. But I go uh, Kelly up front. I think... Um, I really like Bort, but I, I, I like that of Bournes as well. So I'll go Bournes and Gaffney. Okay, okay. But you just need now, to Mr. Have Curry, a it's your turn, having heard all of that. Who's, who's going have next? Have you gone for Gaffney over Georgie Kelly? No, I have gone, no I've gone Kelly and Gaffney. Oh. Okay, you're going back to front then, are you? Now we know when he 16 points ahead, he's put 14 players in the start that done well. I was laying lads that done well. Do you want me to go through again? You're going... One last go. Okay, very quickly. Robbers, 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 robbers. Manes, Brown, Lopez, Toll, Scales. I'll go Forrest, Watts, Mandroyu. Gaffney, Kelly and Bournes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like the tall one. That's that's good. And now, Mr. Curry, what's your 11? Yeah, I think my, my keeper and back four are the same as, um, as Johnny. I've Yaros, then I've Scales, Lee Desmond, Lee Grace. And actually, I've gone with Sean Gannon. I, I thought he, he finished the season incredibly well. I know he's probably playing right of a back three, but I, I thought his performances over the last half of the year were put him in my team. I haven't actually gone for a whole midfielder here. I've got Forrester, Patching and Dylan Watts. 
So not much protection for that back four. And then I've gone with Georgie Kelly through the middle and one side Danny Mandreo and the other side Liam Burt. Okay. Oof. James, what do you make of that, Sullivan? Well, that's not too bad, in fairness. Like, So mine is Derry, Derry, Derry. No, I'm <laughs> no I got with Yaros. Okay, well, let's hear it. Let's I, thought hear it. Is, I thought Yaros is brilliant. Um, as you said, we've got the benefit of seeing the cup final yesterday. I thought it was very good during that. I've got a back three of Boyce, Lopez and Scales. Boyce, Lopez and Scales? Yeah, I think I thought Liam did very well. Kind of four in midfield. I've actually gone with Johnny here as well, with Duffy in there, with Patching, Forrester and Devoy. And then three fellas up front, Burns, Kelly and then Mandroyu alongside them. I think, as as Graham said, Mandroyu's had an absolutely fantastic season, so I think he has to go into any team. And uh, Lopez as well. So you've got, you got three of the players who are up for player of the season in my squad, so... yeah. Very well balanced, I have to say. I had Mandroyu in, but then I put him out. And oh, I yeah. Well, I had it. It was either between Mandroyu and Tierney. Mm. And I think Mandroyu's sharpness and his finishing, and not just his ability to play a ball around, he's, he's finishing off left, right and head so during the season. So will, will we do next year's team and just put Jack Bourne in straight away next <laughs> year? Yeah, but Jack Bourne, <laughs> we've, obviously, yeah. we've obviously put him in already. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and Johnny, just because and this is, I'm throwing this one at you. Oh God, how long to get me baseball yeah. batting? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But is there a play, if you were managing now and say below the you know the top layer of players that we that people have mentioned there in terms of the eleven, is there a player there that you think is you know capable maybe of getting into let's call them the the leading sides, the leading sides this season, like a, a, an uncut gem, if you will. Mm. Uh, Even in the first division, like if you were managing now and, you're, and somebody said to you, well, look at your, you've got a very limited budget here, Johnny. Go out and pick a, pick a player who you think might prosper. There's a couple of, the, the lads, a couple of lads, uh, the midfielder in, in, in Drogheda. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name at the moment. Killian Phillips? Phillips, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I've seen him a bit. He's done well. And, you know, a banquet. A banquet, a Pats, yeah. young player, yeah. you know, but not playing. But, you know Gary Gary O'Neill at you know at, at Rovers. I just don't think Gary gets enough game time. I think if Gary plays every week for a team, he'd be a fantastic top player. I just think because the squad is so big, I think he can be a main player somewhere else. He would be a player that I don't think we would see in his full potential. I think you know the package that he has as a midfielder is, is fantastic. So probably doesn't answer your question a hundred percent. But look, you know. Alfie Lewis, as I said, in midfield. But there is, you know, as I said, the, the, the lad at Phillips that draw it. I, I, I think so. Yeah, definitely think so. Yeah. Paul, that is there anybody that, that you'd pick here? Yeah, somebody who's, who's probably caught my eye in particularly last number of weeks is, is Mark Doyle and Drahada. Um, and probably somebody who was very close to getting in, in my team of the year. You know, 13 goals playing at Drahada. He's, he's, uh, he's probably similar cut to Dara Burns. He's very quick and very direct. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if somebody was to snap him up. Mm. And Graham? Uh, I like the goalkeeper off that as well. Yeah. Oh, Odomosu, he's, he's only 20 years of age. I think he's really good. I think he's the potential to go on to be a, a really top player. I actually think Ali Coote could actually go on and play for a really big team as well, obviously, with balls <laughs> finishing fifth as well. I think that's a chance there. If he wanted to go and join another big side, he has, he has I don't think really he's good potential. So, yeah, so considering what we're talking about, dropping the players, they only finished behind balls. Oh, yeah. So, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, but there is. There's always a player or two around, you know. There's Correct. always a, definitely a player or two around. And if he fits into what you... 
you know, what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. But the I boy really, Marky, I dropped it as well, Johnny. He, yeah. He's done really, really well in the last while. Yeah, and, and again, and, and sorry for cutting across your grain, but, but that's what I'm saying. He's got lots of game time at Trotter. So yeah. you're seeing his full potential. And that's why, and I, I'll, I'll say it again, I love Gary O'Neill. I think he's a brilliant midfielder. And I just don't think we see his full, full potential. Are you his agent, Johnny? No, I think you are. <laughs> now, I'll say nothing. Go on, I'll say no more. We have a few young, good young lads coming through. He's Adam, a slister standing outside, Adam, he does, just in case. Adam Murphy, a Pat's a good young player coming through as well. That, yeah. He'll jump onto the scene in a couple of years. Young Adam Murphy, Ben McCormick. Ben is already ben McCormick, done, but Adam yeah. Murphy is one to look out for in the future, a Pat's. Adam Murphy, OK, we'll take note of that. James, is there anybody for you that you'd say, you know, keep an eye on him? I, I, as, as I've already mentioned, I think a bank I think for his age, he seems so calm when he's playing. He's, uh, yeah, he's a great presence on the ball. He seems really, he seems to be with it. Doesn't seem to let pressure get in on him. I think he will be a good player for next season. As we mentioned earlier on, you could left and right side of that defence may be gone in the next year. So I think he's one to go in there. Dara Markey is a young lad I've seen playing since he was 16 years of age at underage with yeah, Pats and even is he that young? but he, like, he's like but he's not that he's not as young as we think he is but yeah. I remember when Liam was at the end of a St Pats career he used Dara a lot and he was put into the game a lot as a 19 year old and he showed his ability and I think he's the same like O'Neill that if he gets a club like, like Georgie Kelly even if he gets a club that suits him he could be an absolute star again. Like, Hey, listen, all ye dubs here, I won't be able to go home unless somebody mentions Johnny Kenny. Yeah, well, the, the issue with Johnny Kenny is, Adrian, that I don't think he'd be staying around Sligo much longer. So, so he might be a star, but he might not be a star around Sligo. The other issue is... just ruined Christmas. The other issue is he goes that fast, we can't see him. <laughs> like his father. No. Uh, yeah. and, and we'll just, for the hell of us, player of the year, Graham. Lopez. <laughs> okay, Paul. I knew he wouldn't say Georgie Kelly. He wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> I'll pick, I have to uh, pick a defender. You, you pick a midfielder. You pick Forrester. Johnny, you pick another defender. <laughs> oh, no, no. I, I'm, I'm going with Georgie Kelly, I, I think, for goals alone. Uh, yeah. He's had a fantastic season. I, I think he, he will win it. Yeah, I'll go along with that. Hard to argue with 21 goals. Johnny? Yeah, I, you know, it's. I don't mean it's an easy one to pick. It's just an obvious one to pick, and you know, yeah. it's factual. It's there, and it's right in front of you. I think Georgie Kelly has found his club at Bowes. I think you know he, he's bounced around with UCD up to Dundalk, you know, and then a bit of Pats, and I just think that's his club, and he's found his club, and he's Won't had be a fantastic his club next year, season. Johnny. Well, we know that, we know that, we know that. But you look, it doesn't always work out, Graham. As you know, he might go somewhere else, and it might not happen. But yeah. I just think he's found his club at Bowes, and I would say, yeah, Georgie Kelly this season. James I, I'm kind of thrown here between like Georgie has the goals and, and fairness to what he's doing you think about it he's playing professional football top level top goal scorer masters in accountancy <laughs> he's, I don't know where he has time to do anything else but I'm kind of strung between him and Mandroyu mm. I think Mandroyu had a really good season but I think the goals alone has to suit Georgie to player of the year and as we said, he's made his match at Bowes. He had a match many years ago when he was 17-year-old at Derry. So two two community-based clubs, and that seems to be what suits him. OK. Just one other story just to touch on briefly from, from the week just gone, Paul. The merger between Cabin Tilly and Braille Wanderers. What have you made of that? 
Yeah, I, I think it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, when you look around both the divisions, my own opinion would be that we have too many clubs. Um, particularly when you when you take Cabinteti and Bray as an example, you know, a catchment area that is, is very similar. Um, you know, not a major distance between either club and, and not a cl- either club brings in huge attendances. So it makes sense, I think, to, to merge not only the facilities but the resources and try to get one really good club together. I think it, there's probably a case agent for for other clubs to do that in different situations it can be complicated it can be messy but I think if they were able to push it through I think for that whole Dunleary Bray area would make perfect sense Yeah, and Graham, should we be worried I mean I, I know clubs have to look after themselves and clubs have to strive and you know ensure that they're in the Premier Division but it's very skewed towards the East Coast now no club from Munster I mean obviously we, we talked about Waterford uh, going down, but no Cork City, no club from Limerick. You know, what treaty you, you'd hope will will challenge in the next year or so. But Watford obviously gone. There's a strange look to the Premier Division now geographically. Yeah, it's all northern based, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a strange one. It's a first. I think someone said Shamrock Rovers at a sudden most club. Is that right? Or yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Which is which is amazing to think of it. Um, but. I think you see what happened with Waterford this year, like you said, it was an absolute shambles. Cork have obviously hit a wall financially as well, and then the clubs underneath are trying to, Wexford are trying to come good again as well, and the treat are only in the league. So I think um, we worry for the Bray and the, the, the Bray Cabin TV one is what happens to their underage groups because obviously Bray have been in with Joey's before that, so what, what happens to the relationship there? Do, do Cabo and Joey's go in together, which will cause a bit of friction in the underage setup. So, as Johnny will know. So, um, yeah, that would be a worry for me with, with that merger. But it, I do agree with Paul. There is a little bit of a saturation point to, with, with the Dublin clubs and how many, how many clubs are around the area. All right. Well, a big game for the Republic of Ireland women's team under Vera Powell on Tuesday night. James, they really have to beat Georgia now, and, and they should beat Georgia, who are bottom of the table. That was a real setback drawing with Slovakia on Thursday night, wasn't it? It was. And do you know what, Adrian? It actually reminded me of the Ukraine game where we needed to get the win to get into that playoff position. In the fact that I, I thought with about 10 or 15 minutes to go, I was screaming that why Amber Barrett wasn't brought onto the pitch to go up front and like get something out of the game. The first half seemed to bypass Denise O'Sullivan because we weren't playing in the pocket where she plays. Second half, we, we got her on the ball more. We got a goal from her being on the ball. And you're thinking, right, we're at this now. Let's go. Get Amber on. Scoring goals are fun in Germany. Throw her on and it just didn't happen. So it was very disappointing. But then you've got the game now. And, and this is one that we need to win. We need to get six points out of the home and away. Obviously, the away game was meant to be the first game of our group, but it was postponed back. So um, they need the three points in this. Second place, even after that, is still very achievable. OK, well, let's hear from Irish defender Louise Quinn. We knew going into this that Slovakia were going to be a very tough team. It wasn't kind of like, oh, it's between ourselves, Finland, this, you know, Sweden. It was Slovakia were always in that. We, you know, we were coming into this. We knew they were a very quality team, so we didn't go in complacent. We, d- I really tell you that we did not go in complacent, but we just obviously have to to play our game and impose our game more on teams. Um, I think that's really important. And it's important now to get a result against Georgia, bottom of the group, and I guess that brings with it its own expectations because people will expect Ireland to turn up and beat Georgia. But as we saw on Thursday, it's it's never straightforward in international football. 
yeah, we have the capabilities again. Um, but yeah, we just need to we need to do it on the day. It's it's easy to say that the lower ranked team, but you know, again, they've put it up against some of the the bigger teams. They're yet yeah, maybe not as experienced, but you know, and they've yes, they've let in a few goals, but not you know not that many. Um, you know, so they obviously have they have real kind of they can be solid at the back and really keep a lot of players back. So you know, we've got to be we've got to be sure of ourselves and we've got to figure out how to to pick the pockets of them and to to pull them out, reel them out of their, you know, their defensive line and, and get them moving. OK, well, that's uh, Louise Quinn. There'll be no Heather Payne as well, James, for uh, tomorrow night's game. We're recording this on Monday, but it's live on 2FM on Game On and also on RT2 television. And for Vera Power, you just have to ex- expect a win. Yeah, you'd expect a win. I'm just speaking here to Johnny. Heather Payne, not only did she cover every blade of glass, but I think she was kicked on every blade of glass as well. Like the way they, they, they double teamed her, they, every time she got a foot on the ball, she was kicked. So she'd be a massive loss, but I'm, I'd say she was feeling very, very sore the next morning after the game for how many times she was, she was kicked on the pitch. But do you know what? The performance was a solid enough performance. I don't think Slovakia got enough plaudits for how good they actually were. They controlled mm. the game very well. They were very patient on the ball. They did what they had to do. They were cynical at times. And that's what international football is about, knowing when you can get away with stuff and when you can push stuff. But this game has to be... You have to feel there's three points here for the Irish team uh, to get back on track. And maybe the fact that one or two players might be missing will be good for Vera because then she has to change up how she, how she attacks the game. Yeah, Graham in the Premier League wins for Liverpool, Manchester City ticking along nicely, Chelsea slip up at home to Manchester United, no Ronaldo in the starting eleven. But Sunday afternoon, I mean, I know we were all consumed obviously by the FAI Cup final, but if you saw some of the highlights, football in the snow, there were some brilliant pictures and obviously the Burnley uh, Spurs game was postponed because of snow. Did you enjoy playing in snow during your career <laughs> with an orange yeah, well, ball? Uh, we, did, we had a lot of it in Scotland, actually. In the three in the years I was over there, we would have played. I think we, I went, we went through three storms uh, every year, so um, it wasn't. Uh, it was three o'clock kickoff, so it wasn't too bad. It wasn't as cold as Got people thought. But, yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, you could get away with water. But some of the, the, the ball, you'd end up heading it and you get snow in your eyes because the, 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 it'd slap off the ball and into your face. And you'd you be, never headed the ball. Ah, stop, Johnny. That's all I did. That's all I did. Uh, so, yeah, and then you'd, uh, you'd have your underarmers on. I, 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 oh, go away. Your underarmers. Oh, my God, Greg. I can't believe you said that. No, no. Oh, you're gone. You shouldn't have said that. I had a trick, Johnny. I had a trick for playing in the snow. I used to put deep on my toes <laughs> and then you put your socks on over it and then that was you then you'd head out now I never wore gloves I never went that far are you but, sure? Uh, you wore everything else it was minus five Johnny give us a break will you? alright lads listen uh, we'll all be okay between now and February I take it you, we'll, we'll find yeah. something to do and, and congratulations to Pats as well Like I saw pictures of Brian Kerr celebrating with Johnny and stuff after the game so you're delighted for the likes of Brian and, and the lads who have put their heart and soul into the club and how much it means to them so it was great to see and 
And now Johnny enjoyed it. I'm surprised he was up up at this hour to do the podcast. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> but you know <laughs> what, Graham? You know, it, it, it means so much to the community yeah, up there. And I know what it. Rovers are doing and Bows in their own communities yeah. and Derry and all that. But in Chicago, it just means so much to them up there. You know, it, it, it does. It gives the whole area a lift. It gets, you know, bad press yeah. sometimes and whatever else. And, uh, and you've seen Brian dancing in the stand and, and like you can see how much it meant to I him. I sat beside him. He wouldn't look well. at the penalties being taken. He just wouldn't look yeah. at the penalties being taken. He just couldn't face it. I said, what's half a man, Jerry, you? What's <laughs> you probably thought you were playing again and looked away. <laughs> no, I didn't miss. I didn't miss three penal, two penals in a row on the penalty shootout, Graham. You should Don't hold your mouth there. <laughs> Sorry, Graham. Apologies. Oh God, Paul Curry Stunt wouldn't have missed them. Paul's hamstring wouldn't have let him get there. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have made 120 minutes anyway. I, I'd have tucked him with me head. <laughs> right, Brian says to me, he says to me one day, he says, I said, Brian, my hamstring and whatever, blah, but he said, can you head it? He, I said, yeah, he said, well, you're playing. <laughs> All right, I wish we had another podcast. Maybe we will. Anyway, uh, yeah. that's where we leave it for this edition. Thanks to uh, Paul Curry, Graham Gartland, Johnny McDonald, and as ever, James O'Toole, until the next time from us all. Bye-bye.